Welcome to 19 Hits the Dragon, the podcast of Dungeons and Dragons, tabletop RPGs, and nerd culture in general. I'm Rob Mackey. Joining me, as always, is the venerable Mike Daniel. Mike, how's it going, man? <laughs> I'm doing great, Rob. I am doing great. I'm riding a high because I just beat Hades for the first time, so I'm I'm ready to go. Hell yeah, brother. Now all you got to do is beat it like a hundred more times and progressively harder each time and then you'll be good more and more difficult each time yeah exactly yeah (laughs) then you'll have finished i won't tell you exactly how many times this was but i did get to a point where i beat it enough times that they gave me the like luxury of an end credit sequence oh nice okay cool so yeah, good to like, know that, okay. that that's out there. Yeah, I, I definitely yeah. appreciate how like you get to the end and you get a bit of what Zagreus has been looking for the whole time, and then uh, oh nope, you don't get everything that you wanted. You're right back at the start. So yep. I, I like that there's even with like completing the game, you know, and beating the final boss, like it gives you that incentive to keep going back rather than just sort of requiring the game to be good enough to keep playing over and over again, which it absolutely is. Oh, yeah. um, but you still have that sort of story aspect that you, you can kind of chase after. And I, I really appreciate that. For sure. There's always some more stuff to do. Yeah, And absolutely. also, not to brag or nothing, but I have beaten it at least once with all six weapons. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Yeah. That's, the gun that's was... kind of my next goal. And uh, Sorry, th- what about the gun? Well, actually, the gun wasn't the hardest one to beat it with. It was actually the, air, the bow and arrow, which bow and arrow. Uh, okay. I actually like slightly better, but... The thing with the gun is um, one of the, if you get a Daedalus hammer for your gun, one of the options is fires in a three burst, like uh burst. Three round burst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Three round burst. And that, but you never have to reload it. Oh, game changer. Okay. Absolute game changer. Yeah. Okay. I can see how that would be. The reloading of it is kind of the frustrating part actually. So yeah, for let's sure. Go. Yeah, that's dope. Anyway, yeah. speaking of dope nerdy things, uh, we are going to be picking up our conversation after last episode talking about second edition Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, or is it Advanced Dungeons Ooh. and Dragons Second Edition? What's the proper way to to say that, Rob? Do you know? I would is, say both that correct. Since it, I would always either. I'm going to start over. We'll fix <laughs> okay. it in post. Maybe. I would always call it AD&D 2nd Edition, so okay. if you're doing the full thing, I would say Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Although, really, since the products have all kind of merged back together, I tend to just call them 1E, 2E, 3E, 4E, 5E. 2nd Edition, 1st Edition, stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then third edition is kind of its own whole kettle of fish because depending because on the exact, yeah, that could be referring to one, two, or all three of three different systems. <laughs> all right, <laughs> the way I tend to use it. Um, but uh, yeah, so I would say AD and D second edition for sure. Anyway, so yeah, in uh last episode we uh kind of started uh 
struggling is maybe the like not particularly charitable way of saying it but you know <laughs> kind of working our way through uh, the player's handbook and we got through the first two chapters yep. it took an hour and a half it's just about <laughs> yep yep uh, uh, yeah there's obviously uh, as we mentioned uh in that episode second edition is quite dense uh with rules and intricacies and things that um are important but are, can be difficult to kind of wrap uh wrap your your brain around sometimes so uh we talked about uh, ability scores and how those influence the game and a few differences of you know how things used to be versus uh what players today and like fifth edition players kind of recognize um and then talked a little bit about races and how the ability scores sort of inform even what race you have the ability to play because of the restrictions on, uh, you know, ability scores for, for certain races and stuff um, mm -hmm. in second edition, that is. Uh, so today we're kind of following up that to talk a little bit further about character creation um, and talk initially about uh, character classes and the options that are here in second edition. For sure. Uh, speaking of uh, prerequisites in terms of ability scores, but mm. uh, we'll get to all that in just a bit here. Um, <laughs> For sure. But but yeah, we're going to try and uh, get through a bunch more of this uh, character creation stuff. And now that we have a bit more background, hopefully we can get through this a bit more quickly. Um, For sure, there's, yeah. There's still some going to be some weirdness that I, for one, can't not highlight. So <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, I'm, we'll see I'm how right, it goes. right there with you. Um, I do actually want to start by pointing out just some basic differences between first edition and second edition, AD&D. Um, you know, we mentioned last time that when they created second edition, they did so with a sort of impetus to uh, streamline um what was then Dungeons and Dragons um, and make it a little bit simpler. And <laughs> obviously, like, as we've been talking, AD&D still has a lot of things that, you know, can seem like you're like, oh, well, this is the streamlined version. Like, what did the first version look like? Holy fuck. Indeed. <laughs> um, but there are a few things that I want to call out here, particularly when we're talking about classes and the structure of classes in the player's handbook. Um so the way that things were kind of laid out in first edition was, you know, there were sort of the core classes and then these subclasses for them, right? So you had the cleric, or you could be a subclass of the cleric, which is the druid. You could be a fighter, or you could be a subclass of the fighter, which is the paladin or ranger, um, magic user or subclass illusionist, thief, subclass assassin, and then the monk as well, which is in the, the core book for first edition, doesn't appear in second edition and doesn't come back until 3.5, I think, in a core book. Um, but my, my kind of my point being like that's that was sort of the, the layout and, you know, fifth edition players are familiar with the ideas of subclasses, um, maybe in a way that like 3.5 and 4E uh, wasn't. Um, but they kind of turned all of that on its head for second edition and they just sort of put the classes together in groups. Um, so mm -hmm. in second edition, there's the warrior and, uh, as a group and all of the classes that fall into the warrior group are fighter, ranger, paladin. You know, there's a wizard group and there's the mage and the illusionist, the priest group and it's cleric and druid and the rogue group is thief and bard. 
Um, yep. So, uh, and and with this also, they they did sort of uh, make all of the classes sort of fit together in a little bit more of a s- similar way and similar pattern. Because uh, in first edition, like they're none of the classes really go to the same levels for each level, right? Or for each class or subclass. So like the cleric can go up to level 29, but the druid is only, the subclass of the druid is only going up to level 14. Um, So there's all kinds of weird variances from first edition that wasn't uniform, um, that with second edition, they did actually take some time to streamline things. And, you know, everything in this, in second edition is one to 20 for all of the different classes, regardless. Um, For sure. So in that way, they were streamlining this system a little bit and kind of aligning things together. Um, And that's sort of what we see happening as the game has evolved through all of its different editions. Um, For sure. And that's something I always wanted to highlight with this project is just because second edition to modern eyes is so goofy, just relentlessly like what the heck is any of this but <laughs> right. they made it they made it clear in the forward to the player's handbook that they did want to like kind of consolidate the vast sprawling mess of first edition mm-hmm. and what it had become by that point and it's worth highlighting a situation like this where they do did in fact succeed at it for sure for sure so um just to give people kind of a refresher um on this um as a sort of clarification so everything's above board um we went over this last week but um there are two major um printings of the Mm -hmm. core books for second edition there was the first press printing in 1989 and i'm using that player's handbook and there was a second printing in 1995 and mike is working off of that player's handbook correct we're pretty sure most of the content is the same Mm -hmm. but there's some like formatting stuff and occasionally page number differences and page number differences yeah exactly um yeah uh the 95 pressing uh generally does a better job of being like hey this table this is a table whereas uh (laughs) right the 89 uh, pressing has all sorts of weird formatting goofiness. And to that point, I would just like to take a moment to um, take the 89 pressing to task for its wonky, um, jank-ass uh, chapter transitions. <laughs> so, so, at the top of each page, there's a blue bar that has white text that says what chapter you're in basically and then in the proficiencies chapter which we're hoping to get to this episode it's white and blue text because technically these are all optional rules Mm -hmm. you're like okay fair enough thing is there's no highlighting when it changes chapters it just goes to the next one oh like there's no there's no like big fucking thing that's like oh this is chapter three classes now just the yeah it actually that is the one difference, yep. but it's pretty subtle and you won't necessarily point it out. If you're in the middle of a chapter, it'll just say the name of the chapter. If you're starting a new chapter, it'll say like chapter whatever. Yeah, interesting. The uh, The first edition book that I have here as well, which I believe is an original printing, kind of does the same thing um, where there's no real big distinction. It's even like in, in the middle of a page like between uh, classes and alignment. 
there's just a break in the paragraphs and a big bold thing that says alignment and then it starts into that from there like it's not really broken up in a, a easy to recognize way as far as when the new chapter starts so yeah in in the one that i'm looking at for second edition though um yeah there's a big uh, uh like I don't even know what to call this, like a frame around sort of the first two or so paragraphs of the chapter, uh, well, maybe three. Uh, and there's big bold letters that say, you know, chapter three, player character classes. Uh, so, yeah, it does look, uh, I guess that is kind of one big difference there is um, pointing out the chapter transitions. Interesting. Yeah, it's fun. Huh. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. So, we have our four groups. Uh, warrior, priest, uh, mage. No, no, wait. Wizard, excuse me. Correct. Warrior, priest, wizard, and rogue. Um, and then you have classes within that. And there are a couple of things I want to highlight uh, in there before we get into the real weeds with each class here. First is... Um, that also in the wizards there's also specialist uh wizards which mm -hmm. we'll get to in a bit and those are a whole different kettle of fish also um the player's handbook uh considers every actual class except fighter cleric mage which is the general wizard and thief to be optional classes and you should absolutely ask your dm to see if he's uh, or she is allowing any of these mm -hmm. Sorry, I lapsed into he because uh, I've been trying to study this book today and like yeah. there's a whole thing in the foreword about how it's like, no, we're using the male pronoun because mm -hmm. fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> right. They, they yeah. do at least say like, we're not trying to discourage, you know, females from playing, but we are using the male pronoun for everything or for most things. Um, yeah. So I apologize yeah, at least for they that. acknowledge it, I guess. But yeah, I can understand why yeah. that might kind of turn into your default when when talking about the book after you've been just reading all of the the male pronoun uh, terms here written throughout this book. Yeah, it's just kind of like I just kind of internalized it there, and I apologize. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, all good. Okay. Anyway, so that's interesting, and um, also. There aren't any of these in the player's handbook, so I'm going to blow through this as quickly as I can, so it'll only take about seven minutes or so. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, I just want to uh, briefly mention the concept of kits. Second edition had something for classes called kits. They were basically variations of a class that swapped out some of the features of a class and gave you some other ones. Mm -hmm. Um Barbarians are not a class in second edition. Barbarians are a kit of the fighter, right. for example. Right. Um, paladins have a bunch of kits. Um, ro uh, thieves have a bunch of kits. Um, bards have kits. Most of the classes have kits. I don't think clerics have too many kits necessarily, mm. though. Interesting. Um, and then, or wizards, because really... Because, again, uh, school specialization is considered kind of its own separate class. It's not really a kit, but right. it functions sort of similar to that. Uh, long story short, if I'm explaining what a kit is to a player of 5th edition, what I, I would say, um, you know, in 5th edition, every class has your archetype that you pick at 3rd level. Or sometimes Picture before it, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Sometimes before. Yeah, that's true. Picture if your archetype like was your class and like you kind of had some maybe some different features because of that. That's kind of Mm -hmm. how I think about it. I'm sure that's an imperfect analogy. And, you know, feel free to yell at us later if that's not accurate exactly. But it's a very rough analogy. And I'm just trying to like sort of set the table. Yeah. Anyway, those are kits. And long story short, that's why the Barbarian isn't here right now. Right. Yeah. The Barbarian, we notice, is really only a core class in 3.5 and 5th edition. Even like 1st, 2nd fourth edition uh php the barbarian's not there and they show up in other things which is interesting because it seems like something that that feels like such a core element of D um but yet it is not in a lot of the uh uh the standard ha- uh player handbooks so yeah sure without oh god i'm gonna derail this whole conversation again but <laughs> here's, here's the in, thing in, though about right. Yeah, here's the thing about second edition when it came out, though, um, is they really made an attempt to boulderize D&D a bit, as it were, which is to say it's basically kind of just pre-censoring it, I guess, because mm-hmm. if you those of you who know the history of D&D know that they definitely got uh, flack from the parents' groups or in the like moral majority types. Oh yeah, back the, in the, the satanic their 80s, panic. 80s. Yeah, because they it's like yeah we're, we're yeah the D and D players they worship Satan. We uh I uh, ran here in Raleigh uh, when I ran a game out of a uh, kind of a pottery studio, um and like I would we ran the game um. The owner played with us, and he hosted the space, but we did it after business hours. But okay. I would get there and get set up a bit before business hours ended. And this one time, mm-hmm. a couple of old ladies were kind of coming in and going out. And uh, after they left, I was like, they definitely think we're worshiping Satan right now. <laughs> Probably. Anyway. Uh, so, anyway, yeah. so that's why... Um, like demons and devils they're in the game but they're not there by name i think maybe barbarians were a victim of that is what i'm trying to get mm. at could be could be i don't know if that makes sense but i don't know all right let's move on <laughs> <laughs> anyway back to talking about the classes in the player's handbook here uh, hard segue we're, we're starting off with the warrior actually before we get into that i do want to in the interest of going through the player's handbook, there is a briefly a table that just has all of the ability score requirements for each class kind of broken down real mm, quick, mm-hmm. which, yep, yep. but I just want to acknowledge that and move on. Cause we'll kind of get into those as we go through the class. So yeah, mm-hmm. warriors, let's do it. Cool. Yeah. So the warrior, uh, group, as we talked about consists of, uh, the fighter, the paladin, and the rangers. So they are the martial classes here, um, and they kind of get broken down in that order in the uh, the handbook as well. Um, so your hit die is a d10. Uh, you get the options, as we talked about last week, uh, for additional strength bonuses because of like your strength uh, score and constitution score, I think, as well, maybe. I'm... Um, not remembering everything right offhand here, <laughs> um, Rob, if you yeah, want to bail no. me out. Uh, yeah, no. So 
uh, again, warriors are the only ones who get the full benefit of exceptional strength, which is when you roll an 18 strength, you get to roll a D100 again for additional bonuses. And also, they get they have the potential to get even more hit bonus hit points based on high constitution scores. Gotcha. Okay. Every other class, even if they have an 18 strength, even if they have like an 18 constitution, they don't get the full thing. Warriors get all that stuff. Gotcha. And uh, yeah, we have our handy dandy uh, class table here, which mm-hmm. is not going to look at all like a modern class table. All you got here is your hit dice and then uh, the experience point uh, values for each level. Yep. Oh, right. I forgot to mention in first and second edition. You kids have it so good these days because <laughs> nowadays you level up when you level up and it's the same for each class and oh boy is that not true. Right. So we have we have an XP table for fighters and an exper- experience table for paladins and rangers. They're on the same one mm-hmm. and then fighters are on their own experience table and fighters generally progress faster. It's fun. All right. Yeah. Shall we look at the fighter? Yeah, let's take a look at it. All right, for the fighter, uh, only one uh, prerequisite, and that's uh, strength of nine. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. Easy peasy. And also, uh, I am, I'm uh, using my terminology a bit inconsistently. So the ability requirement is a strength of nine. Mm-hmm. Your prime requisite is strength. Prime requisites are basically the ability score or scores where if you have a 16 or better you get a 10 percent experience point bonus so great if you have it but mm-hmm. you probably won't anyway <laughs> as we discussed about rolling uh stats last time it's really difficult to get good stats in second edition um yeah yep and uh let's see uh you can be any alignment if you're a fighter you can uh learn how to use any weapon uh, or specialize in it which is kind of um hold that thought for like an hour and a half before we get to proficiencies (laughs) and how those work right um yep but uh they can't cast any spells um and uh but you can basically use magic items that make sense for you to use like healing potions Mm -hmm. or magic swords or what have you magic shields and armor and shit like that yeah uh, so as always, there isn't a ton to talk about with fighters. Mm-hmm. They're fighters. Yeah, I think this yeah. is a, a good point to, or a good spot to point out rather, um, some something interesting about sort of character progression in uh, second edition and first edition as well. That's kind of different from three point five and on, where like you're not necessarily getting new stuff every time you level, right? Like people who play fifth edition now. Um, you know, every single time you level up, you get something specific to your class. And, you know, sometimes if you're a caster, it's just like, oh, you get new spells. Um, but even so, like you're still you're getting something every other level that's specific to your class or your subclass. That's not necessarily the way that things are built in uh, second edition. A lot of them are like front loaded with a lot of abilities that you get. Um, and then you maybe get one or two other things as you level up um, in the class there. That's an excellent point. Although it's worth pointing out that 
all warriors, um, their Thacko does decrease every level, mm -hmm. at least through level twenty. Right. Uh, yeah. So you get and, you get more hit points, and you get uh, you know better AC um, with warriors, um, and you get some small things like bonuses to what you already have, essentially, rather than like getting a new thing yeah. at every level. That's kind of that's what yeah. I, I was referring to there. Sorry. For sure. Yeah. Although yeah, you won't yeah you won't get any like new things. Although you might get more proficiency slots, but again, right. we'll get there. Right. Sorry. Anyway, and then also I want to point out the hit dice business. So mm -hmm. in second edition, you only roll your hit d dice and add them to your hit points up to a certain point. Mm -hmm. um, right. For warriors, it's through level nine. You're mm -hmm. rolling your hit dice every time. After that, even if you get the constitution bonuses to your hit points, you just get a flat three more hit points every level. That's mm -hmm. it. That's all you get. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. So that, the, that is an interesting thing, right? Like you're not, once you get to like 10th level, your HP is only increasing by a small amount uh, with each level there. So rather than, you know, exponentially with uh, the rest of your, or not exponentially, I guess, but in, in a sort of sliding scale, that's the same as, as it had been up to that point. And just, it sort of starts to taper off from there a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yep. Flattens the curve, you might say. Indeed. All right. So the most interesting thing then with the pet uh, fighter left to talk about is uh, at what happens at ninth level. At ninth level, you become a lord. Mm -hmm. And if you are able to wrangle a castle together, you uh, gain followers, which uh, there are a bunch of tables to determine what kind of followers you get. There's a table for your leader, there's a table for your troops, and a table for your elite units. So, yeah, um, get to ninth level, not an easy task, but if you do, right. you get your henchmen. Unclear whether or not this amount of henchmen is limited by your charisma score as discussed in uh, <laughs> yeah. yesterday's episode. Ugh. Maybe it's in the DMG, maybe it's not. Yeah, that, that might be something to look up uh, in the DMG for sure. Because it does mention in the Charisma score, or the yeah that ability section, that it limits how many followers you can get. But then in this section, when it's talking about your followers, it's like you gain you know this many people of this thing. And other uh, classes are like, you know, roll 2d6 and you get this many of the, that type of follower and stuff. So... It's um, there seems to be some discrepancy there, to say the least. So yeah, that that stuff tends to happen in this edition still. Yep. Usually, when they like really messed up the streamlining, it's something. It's for some reason like that, mm -hmm. where yeah, these assumptions have not been cross-checked. Anyway, shall we move on to paladins? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, paladins. Who boy are there rules for paladins in this edition? <laughs> starting right, lightly, man. Jeez. Yeah, starting right away with the ability requirements. Strength 12, con 9, wisdom 13, and this is the money requirement here. You need a charisma of 7 goddamn teen. That's <laughs> 17. That's 1 7 to be a paladin. You need yeah. all four of those. Yeah. Each and all four of those. Your prime requisites are both strength and charisma, so you have to have a 16 in at least both to get that sweet experience bo uh, bonus, and you must be human. Right. 
and and I just love the way this is written because right away the first paragraph of this description is just here are the fucking rules god damn it <laughs> you're a paladin quit mm-hmm. slouching right. fucking like yeah stand up straight damn it you'll ruin your posture so you have to get all of those scores right you have to be human and you have to be lawful good and you have to be lawful good at all times mm-hmm. if you if you uh in if a paladin <clears throat> i'm going to put on my quote voice and just read this from start to finish yeah okay <clears throat> cool if a paladin ever knowingly performs a chaotic act he must seek a high level, seventh or more, cleric of lawful good alignment, confess his sin, and do penance as prescribed by the cleric. End quote. Again, how playfully ambiguous. Yeah. What's a chaotic act? What does that mean? <laughs> yep. What does that, like, what does that entail? Yeah. Like, I, mm, so many questions. Yeah. So many, um, so many things that are actually just, um... What am I trying to say? They're, they're big gray areas, I, I would say, for sure. Um, yes. Big, like, massive gray yeah, areas. These very on, harsh sorry. rules around things that are very loosely defined, like a chaotic act. Uh, I think an evil act is yeah. a little bit easier to suss out or to decide on a little bit. Uh, but as we've discovered in our Avernus campaign, is it really easy to figure out? <laughs> um, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, because, you know, in the very next sentence, if you commit an evil act, you lose your paladinhood. You just you don't even get the chance to confess and and make up for it. It's just. Yeah, it's gone. You're done. You're done. You're just a fighter now. Deal with it. You're a fighter, yep. but you're kind of a shit fighter because I don't think you can really get to. I think you still can't really specialize, but eh. Like. Yeah. But there is good news. You get uh, you yep. get actual gameplay benefits. Uh, you mm-hmm. can detect yes. evil. You can detect evil within sixty feet. Um, a bunch of times. Uh, yeah, I think it's mostly at will. Uh. That's kind of my takeaway from this. It does yeah. say, in, in my version, it says he can do this as often as desired, but each attempt takes one round. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah that's, so. that's also exactly what it says. Yeah. Look at you in your reading. <laughs> what Sorry, is this? I didn't mean to quote the rule book at you there, Rob. Ah, uh, uh, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so you do get the ability to detect evil. Uh, you also get a plus two bonus on all your saving throws. You're yep. immune to all forms of disease. Uh, yep, you get except, uh, uh, lay on hands. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, uh, brief note about disease. Um, it does note specifically that um, some things are curses and not diseases and lists right. lycanthropy and mummy rot mm-hmm. as specifically as curses. Right, right. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, you lay on hands. You get uh, your lay on hands uh, restores two hit points uh per your paladin level or mm-hmm. and uh you can use it on yourself or somebody else um but only once per day interesting instead of yep. the yeah huh yeah it uh is what it is yep it's nice um yeah you can cure diseases you get an aura of protection uh, if you're using a holy sword, it projects a circle of power. Like, this all shit that you get at first level as a paladin. So, again, like, a lot of these classes are 
very heavily front loaded with abilities that you get that are just kind of the core archetypes of you know what that um that character represents right so this holy warrior gets all of these things at first level there are a couple things that you get as you level up as a paladin as well um yep third level it looks like you get uh the turn undead and fiends um and at fourth level you can call for a war horse your faithful Um, fucking find a seat yeah yeah yep hell yeah (laughs) uh worth noting i just want to clarify i guess on the holy sword it really just um without getting too much into it it just really seems like the text on that is couched in like is more of a like starting at first level you can do this but really you're gonna get a holy sword when your dm says you're damn good and ready. <laughs> yeah yeah which yeah it does say if your paladin acquires one the dm will explain its other powers so basically like it's saying that you have the ability to wield a holy sword not saying that you get one um right away but as soon as you get one it does in addition to whatever effects a sword has, it projects a circle of power. Um, so, yep, yeah. And uh, at ninth level, you can start casting limited priest spells. Mm, right. Yep. And uh, that's all the good news. Now there's still some suck. They gave us all the rules mm-hmm. up front, and then they told us what was cool. <laughs> yes. And now there's time for some more fucking rules. <laughs> They fucking so add attention, us, soldier. Yeah, for sure. So you cannot. A paladin may not pass possess more than ten magical items, not to exceed one suit of armor, shield, one shield, four weapons, uh, not counting arrows and bolts, and four right. other items. Yep. Uh, so like you, you can only have ten magic items, and you can't have like ten magic swords, or you know nope. stuff like that. Like it has to mm-hmm. kind of be limited to these other. Um, options here as well so yeah Yeah. i guess that probably includes potions too which jesus yeah yikes (sighs) it does say four other magic items so i think a potion like a healing potion but that would kind of count so yeah yep i think the trick there is to let your the rest of your party hold the potions and then you kind of take one as you need them from maybe have like one on your person anyway i think yeah i think you're you're limited to stuff which it's yeah i was gonna say i think the trick is to hassling your dm into not giving a shit if i could wax <laughs> shitty life pro tip for a minute like yes. <laughs> just just split every hair until your dm is just like oh, i don't find whatever like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's your real hope here <laughs> And then uh, we have a couple of contradictory statements up ahead that says uh, you cannot retain wealth, but you and you also must tithe ten percent of the wealth you earn. But it's uh, but like yep. you can't retain wealth because you're supposed to like give it to your religious organization. But that's what a fucking tithe is, and that's only ten yeah. percent. I don't, yeah. Mike, make it make sense. <laughs> I'm sorry, Matt. I don't have a magic wand for this one. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like it's very clear. Like you're you're you keep enough wealth to support yourself and any servants and stuff that you have uh, and, you know, expenses on like your horse and your, if you have land or anything like that, because I guess you're, you're a knight, right? You're supposed to have property. That's how knighthood works. Um, but uh, yeah, well, like, that's the it doesn't thing, really, it, it doesn't really give you like any specifics on how these two things are supposed to work together. It's like, 
have yeah. just enough to pay for your people and nothing else, and then give away ten percent of everything else that you get. Like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, you don't you don't necessarily get followers, and also any henchmen you do hire must be lawful good. Yep. 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 Which I think it raises interesting questions in terms of like so because that would seem to suggest to me that you can only work with people who are also lawful good but you have a rest of a party right right jeez yeah man um rangers (laughs) (laughs) yes on to the next thing because this is has stopped making sense yep let's look at rangers one moment sorry okay so rangers again you have four ability requirements but they aren't as high you only need a strength of 13 a dex of 13 a con of 14 and a wisdom of 14 yeah that's right so that's... just roll perfectly average stats and you'll be fine i mean that's not average that's, <laughs> that's not a, fucking yeah, average at all if you're rolling average, yeah, actually, so, that's yeah. highly that's way above average yeah. uh your prime requisites are strength dex and wisdom so you need all three and uh yeah you can be a human elf or half elf right um just uh let's see um let's see uh you can use any weapon and wear any armor although it's worth noting that you do get access to hide in shadows and move silently which are thief skills and long story short we'll get to that when we get to thieves but you need to be wearing studded leather or lighter armor to be able to use those and Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. also the big thing uh with rangers as well and kind of their one of their main draws is that when you are wearing studded leather or lighter you can do two weapon fighting without penalties Mm -hmm. so that's neat if you want to be mad mart again from willow and why wouldn't you (laughs) there you go all right and then uh let's see there's a lot here and we've been doing this for 40 minutes <laughs> Jesus. so this oh, is an God. episode for the warriors today no this is, yeah, well, yeah we're we gonna can... let's maybe try and make things snappy yeah, i do yeah, want to point rangers, out something we can kind of skim over a lot of the stuff here but yeah sorry, we can the, skim the one a thing more the one thing I want to point out is uh, just uh, how the favored enemies work because uh, this is actually vaguely enlightened and something that 5th edition sort of doesn't do and I mm-hmm. think is good. Um, basically, it's um, for your favored enemy bonus. Um, the implication seems to be it's like, well, your DM has final approval on the choice, but I think it sort of points to like... Just talk with your DM about what your favorite enemy would be or, like, should be, right? Mm, Because mm -hmm. in, like, 5th edition and even before then, it's kind of fraught. Because, like, well, I can pick a favorite enemy, I guess. And in 5th edition, it's not as important, I guess. But in, like, Pathfinder, it's just like, no, these are real fucking bonuses. And Mm -hmm. these are some highly specific categories. Like, it it would be nice to know, like... It would be nice to know, like, what I'm doing when I'm choosing this. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be able to know, like, the, you know, are the majority of the enemies that we're going to see here, you know, goblins or orcs, or are we, you know, chasing down dragons or whatever, like, um, being able to talk with the DM and, like, pick what the best option is for a favorite enemy is is super vital. So I I like that the uh, second edition kind of indicates that you're supposed to do that. 
it doesn't explicitly say that but it, it sort of leans in that direction so it doesn't and maybe this is me reading it with modern eyes because i can also see like well your dm doesn't have to tell you anything right yep 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 if, yep. if you're doing the whole rigid information management thing mm-hmm. yeah and then uh also you can make anim- you can make friends with animals easy. right your your followers you know also that you get at what ninth level as well uh a lot of the options in this table are going to be animals um they're or they're like you know also thieves or there's like some uh, fey type creatures and stuff like that too um so yep yeah it's kind of well, like getting the beast companion but obviously there's a little bit of uh, options for other things so Yep. And then two final things real quick. You get some very limited pre-spells eventually. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, at looks like eighth level. Yeah. And yes. also you have, to, you do have to be good. They kind of buried that one, mm-hmm. at least in the 89 pressing. You must be, you must have a good alignment. Yep. It can be any oh. good alignment, but you have to be good. No. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Just a correction on what I said. It's 10th level when you start getting followers there. Sorry. But yeah. Okay. Everything yeah. else, which again, true. different from ninth level, because yes. why make things the same when they can be different? <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, they do talk about the code of behavior, yada yada. So it looks like up next for me, anyways, the wizard. Is that where it goes for you? Hell yeah. Okay. This is where it get this. This is what it's all about is wizarding, <laughs> because you're gonna die unless you don't, and then eventually you'll be invincible, and that's fun. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. All right. Uh, All right. So your hit dice is a D4. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. You also, to start out, you have the slowest leveling progression of any class. But mm-hmm. after a certain point, really after like fifth or sixth level, it starts to speed up even relative to other classes too. Yeah, okay. So we're, mm-hmm. you're starting to see it's like, being a low-level wizard in this is just brutal. You're again D four for hit dice. If you're um, most DMs, as I understand it, maybe not most DMs, but if you're going by the book, like you're rolling your hit dice at first level as right. well. So, Jesus. yeah, man, tough. Oof. The good news is uh, you're a fucking wizard, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. We have your handy dandy spell table here. Um, it looks a lot like the uh, spell progression table these days. Although mm-hmm. keep in mind that as with third edition, um, you have to prepare each use of each spell. It's not fifth edition where you have your spells prepared versus your slots. It's mm-hmm. like, no, this is how many spells you have a day and you have to prepare each use of each spell. Right. So if you prepare magic missile at first level, then you only have that one use of magic missile at first level. And you would have to prepare it a second time to be able to use it a second time. Not that you could, because you only start with one spell slot. So, mm-hmm. Also, remembering back to last episode, if your intelligence isn't that high in the first place, like you might not be able to cast some of these, learn and or cast some of these higher level spells. Mm-hmm. Also, also worth noting out... Um, Nowadays in 5th edition, like, you get 2nd level spells at 3rd level, and 3rd level at 5th level, and that's the same until you get to 6th level spells, which you don't start getting until level 12, for some reason. Mm. And so, and then it goes back to every other level, basically. It's weird. Interesting. Alright. 
Yeah. I wouldn't have even noticed that. My dyslexic brain was like, oh, yeah, there's this nice little curve there that looks the same. And no, there is that strange gap there. Huh? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> also, um, I don't know if there were, a fa- in fact, ever actually official sorcerers in second edition. Um, so don't ask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but ever for all of these for all for all of about to what get into um you you have a spell book and you're writing spells down in your spell book and you're preparing spells from your spell book okay mm-hmm. let's look at the mage yep <clears throat> all right mages mages are the generalist wizards they they require an intelligence of nine their prime requisite is intelligence uh uh humans elves and half elves can be mages you have no specialties, and uh, yeah, so you are totally average. You can learn any spell you want, but you don't get any bonuses for learning any specific spells of any kind. Then we get to the schools and the specialist mm-hmm. wizards, which, whew, how to distill this down? Uh, okay, um, so one sec. We do it by uh, opening the Windows toolbar by pressing the keyboard like an idiot. (laughs) All right. All right. Um, Anyway, so schools of magic. So they made this as confusing as possible. I'm just going to ignore most of it. But the you have the eight schools of magic and you can specialize in any of them. Although Mm -hmm. blessedly the even the player's handbook is like Maybe don't be a division divination wizard. I don't know. I'm not your dad, but like, <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're not going to be that useful. <laughs> um, and uh, well, yeah, one sec. All right, my dog Jordy has stormed into this room and would like to play Squeaky Snake. Uh, I wondered if that was Jordy I was hearing. It sounded like dog tags. So it was dog tags. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. I apologize to our viewers, and this is not viewers, are they? They're listeners. <laughs> listeners, indeed. Yeah. My God. <laughs> yeah. No, we we Ooh. definitely try our best to keep the dogs out of the recording, but you know they're dogs and insistent sometimes. So sometimes they are quite insistent also if the doors to your room don't like latch super great you know uh, sometimes your options are limited <laughs> yeah and, that's well yep. and especially with jordy because jordy has the hops well, yeah, i'll just yep. say that for sure yeah. anyway so you have your eight schools um here's the thing though if you want to specialize in any of these schools there are further race restrictions potentially and also there's an additional ability score requirement and also your opposition school is determined by what school you specialize in yeah and it looks like for most of them uh the opposition they have two opposition schools um everything that is correct necromancers and divination it looks like so Yep, which uh, for those of you, sorry, you Pathfinder even Necromancer players, does. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. Yep, Necromancer does, yeah. Uh, for those of you Pathfinder players out there, uh, may recall that um, if you choose to be a specialist wizard, you also had to pick two opposition schools, yeah, but you got to pick them. Mm-hmm. Here they're chosen for you. Right. Also, none of these additional ability score minimums is less than uh, 15, and most are a 16. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Also worth noting is that the gnome can be an illusionist. You may recall that a gnome can't be a mage, and it can't be any of the other kind of specialist wizards, but a gnomes can be illusionists. Right, which is kind of the other, like, class of the wizard is the illusionist, right? Like, there are specialists, yeah. but the illusionist is kind of separated yeah, from they, that, oddly, so... They did give it a bit more extra attention, although, like, I couldn't tell if they were doing that just because of the gnome thing, or, well, I mean... Just illusions in general are just such a fraught fucking thing in mm-hmm. this uh, For sure. version. But, yeah. Quick note on uh, opposition schools. Again, I'm not going to go through what each school is and it's what its opposition schools are because, again, time and all that. Mm-hmm. But um, suffice to say, you cannot learn school uh, spells in your direct opposition school. And um, I think... Uh, in the adjacent opposition school, um, you have like penalties to learn it and shit like that. Or maybe you just can't learn it either. Something like that. Again, if you're thinking like it's Pathfinder and it's like, well, I'll just have trouble learning this. It's like, no, you can't do it. Just nope. Mm-hmm. Nope. The answer is nope. It's cool. Yeah. Although I do like that there are rules specific to like creating new spells and stuff, which is something that newer editions have kind of lost it's just like nope these are the spells these are how they work uh here you get a a nice little paragraph and then kind of referencing stuff that's in the the dungeon master's guide um to kind of help you make your own spells which is pretty cool so yeah i kind of wish that fifth edition was better at that (sighs) for sure Um, for sure yeah uh well moving on uh, anything else you want to talk about with wizards right now? Not really. Uh, just a, a quick. Yeah, I mean the uh, again the illusionists kind of get their own thing, and humans and gnomes uh, can be illusionists there, as we said. Uh, yeah, everything else looks like we can kind of skim over that for now. It's all pretty similar type stuff. So, I yep. guess we can move on to the priests. Priests. All right, priests. Two types of priests. You got your clerics and you got your druids. Um, separate uh, experience tables for each. Uh, and you're rolling a D8 hit die for each. And uh, let's see. Let's uh, start with clerics. So clerics, uh, only requirement is a wisdom of nine. Uh, your prime requisite is wisdom. And any race is, can be a priest. Mm-hmm. Um and uh let's see uh yep so clerics are a bit more um they're a bit more frontliney um than they are necessarily in um uh what's it called later editions i guess Mm -hmm. um because you don't have cantrips right like um yeah it seems the cleric in second edition feels a lot more kind of like the the war priest or or the war domain where you're supposed to be kind of Very up so, front yeah. fighting and also healing the party as well um yep so yeah that is a good uh if imprecise summation yeah nothing's yeah. going to be precise though so let's for on. sure yeah it, that's yeah that's what we're dealing with here in second edition yeah. Uh, but yeah, also, it's, it's, um, it, it definitely has a lot of that feel to it of like the 
sort of the tanky or maybe maybe not frontline but secondary uh, martial class with some additional spe- with spells. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yep. And uh, also worth pointing out, uh, there are only seven levels of pre-spells in this edition. There's mm-hmm. no eighth mm-hmm. or ninth level spells. And to cast sixth level spells, you need a wisdom of 17 or higher. And for seventh level spells, you need an 18 or higher. Mm-hmm. And um, so let's see. Uh, and uh, you can turn undead, uh, but the turn undead table is way a ways away here. <laughs> yes. I'm looking at page 33 <laughs> of the 89 printing and the turn undead table. Uh, it says C page 103, hmm. which is a ways, a ways away. Yep, for sure. So we're not going to worry about turn undead right now, right? This second. Um, worth noting, though, that within the war sort of cleric thing sort of deal uh, is you can only use blunt bludgeoning weapons mm-hmm. because, you know, you can't shed blood or anything. Right. Although you yeah. do get uh, weapons that are kind of allowed based on the uh, deity that you follow. Um, yeah. So you, you get access to certain other additional weapons other than just the bludgeoning weapons based on what your who your god is, essentially, and what their yeah. sort of precepts are. Um, and, yeah. Potentially, at least. It seems very loosey-goosey yeah. to me, but we'll get there in a sec. Mm-hmm. I just... I just think that's funny. It's like that your their skulls may be smashed in thy mercy. You know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, like, hey, breaking bones is nonviolent, right? Like Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway. <laughs> All right, let's move on. I don't think you have any real armor restrictions, so that I no. can recall. Anyway. Let's uh move on. Um also, you attract believers at 8th level, and at ninth level, you mm-hmm. re- receive official approval to establish a religious stronghold, be it a, fortifi- be it a fortified abbey or a secluded convent. Mm-hmm. So that's neat. And then we get to um, what Mike was kind of getting at uh, earlier with uh, the priests of specific mythoi. I, which I didn't know was a plural until I read this like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Whatever, man. Like what's done <laughs> is done. It's in print. Can't argue with that. Um, so there's no, how am I, what am I trying to say here? It just seems to be like, um, so here are some vague possible deities and like, it has a table, not really of like actual deities, because this is like this is very setting agnostic. Mm-hmm, but for sure. like the deities listed are agriculture, blacksmith, disease, lightning, yep. love, etc. And there are weapons associated with it, mm-hmm. but it, it does um, sort of like pull on the same threads as like the domain, right? That you get in uh, fifth edition, um, but it it doesn't give you anything other than like new weapons essentially uh based on your the sort of domain that your god would oversee essentially like it's yeah. it's all very vague and like rob said very setting agnostic so they don't list you know specific deities for these specific things you're just kind of left to figure that out with your dm i guess 
Yeah, yeah. More importantly, you, the DM is supposed to figure it out, and yeah. you get to ask very nicely what deities are around. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, and then um, also pursuant to that is the spell spheres, mm-hmm. which there's a bunch, but basically, again, like Mike said, it's very much like domains except more restricting. The idea is that, like, um, based on what deity you, you worship, you're not going to have access to all of the uh, priest spells because each mm-hmm. each priest spell is associated with certain spheres and which are listed with the spell. And your DM's going to tell you what spheres and you have access to based on your deity, pretty much. And uh, yeah. That's kind of that's kind of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, again, I don't want to get too much into each specific sphere here because we'll be here all day. Yeah. But yeah, just again, ask your DM very nicely. Supplicate your DM with snacks and or <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. That that seems Pro- to be a lot of the ideas about character creation in Second Edition. It's like the DM gets to make the final call on everything that you think you get to decide about your character so yeah that's (laughs) something i just kind of wanted to highlight about this in general is Mm -hmm. just so much work for the dm though (laughs) yeah so much and i just i have no idea how you'd keep some of this stuff straight i really don't yeah um yeah Uh, interesting (sighs) to call out after that is the granted powers for the cleric which are kind of like class features that you can get specific to a domain. I guess that's sort of like the closest uh, association I can come up with what these are. But like you can, you know, if the mythoi or mythos of your deity kind of covers some of these things, then your DM can decide if you get these powers, it seems like essentially. Like you can incite a berserker rage and add plus two to your damage or... You can soothe or charm or inspire fear and yada yada. So, uh, again, we see like a lot more work for the DM and stuff that he kind of has to dis- make a, a calling on or make a decision on um, as you're putting together your character. Um, oh, you so, did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, because you said you said the DM. You referred to the DM as he strictly, oh, and I'm it. like, it happens, man. This ha- this is <laughs> ah, what this book does curses. to you. They, yeah, they, the curse they, of they. they. Yeah, Everyone yeah. is they. Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry, man. Like, it's okay. <laughs> no, it's all, everything's I'm just gonna cool kick myself here. about it. That's all. Fuck. I just I just want to like point this out to like. I want to point this out in a judgment-free way that, like, this is what this book does to you in, like, doing that. You study it, you look at it, you're looking at it for a while, and you will be looking at it for a while. And Jordy, (sighs) cut it out with the squeaky snake, man. Come on, man. He's excited. He is excited. I think it's possible Sarah stepped out to go get Christmas candy. Uh, Anyway. Anyway. Um, so... Uh... That's the thing that what I wanted to say about the granted powers is like this too seems very loosey goosey mm, and more mm-hmm. like the not so much these are the powers you get as like here are some maybe sort of examples of what a power <laughs> could, could possibly look like DM but kind of come up with other stuff yeah uh, but I'm not your DM man so <laughs> that's uh. that yeah you better ask I uh, all right. 
Shall we move on to druids? Yes, please, because druids are actually really fascinating to me in older editions. Druids are fucking wacky. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, wisdom of 12, charisma of 13. Those are your requirements. Your yep. prime, requ- prime requisites are wisdom and charisma. And you can be a human or half-elf. Right. And the the book is very just like, no, for real. Make sure that your DM is allowing druids because mm-hmm. we don't wanna we don't wanna trigger an incident. Don't put this stink on us. <laughs> we just wrote this shit. You understand what I'm saying? Yep. <laughs> oh fucking Christ. So uh, All right. um, yeah. how do you how do we wanna talk about the most interesting stuff without taking the most time possible? Yeah, jeez, I don't even know. So let's let's just kinda highlight a few things here. Some things that uh, will be familiar to players of 5th edition. Uh, druids can only get natural uh, armors, meaning they can only do like leather armor, using wood, stuff like that. Um, they are very limited in their weapons as well, which is they can only use a club, sickle, dart, spear, dagger, scimitar, sling, and staff, which is actually pretty much the same as 5th edition, I think, um, in, in yeah. that they get those exact same weapons that they get proficiencies with. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, you get a couple other, well, not a couple, but several, several other abilities that will seem very like kind of telltale to, uh, you know, a druid, uh, being, you know, uh, sort of nature magic type abilities. Some things that you get. It looks like most of them you get at third level here that I'm seeing now. So, you can identify plants, animals, and pure water. Uh, pass through overgrown areas without uh, basically difficult terrain. Like you, you. It's not said as difficult terrain here, but you can kind of move through with you and your party at your normal rate of movement uh, without leaving a trail. Uh, And you learn the language of the woodland creatures, meaning you can talk to like fae and uh, other woodland type creatures, uh, dragons, well, wow, dragons and giants, lizard men, manticores. Nixies, Pixies. So some of those are traditionally like woodland creatures, but I would say a dragon, probably not in that category. No, not necessarily. <laughs> no, no. I mean, if you... Uh, there no, are certain yeah. like dragon types that live in the woods, I guess. Uh, like a green dragon, maybe, green is dragon. kind of making his yeah, own in the woods. Dragons. But like, there are so, yeah. so many other options. And even by this point in 6th... Uh, sorry, in 2nd edition, I, I don't know why they would uh, limit that. Anyway... Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, they're funny you mention it that put it in those terms because there is a thing um, in the like pre stuff that's just like, well, if you're designing it yourself, you just want to make sure uh, that it's like balanced, right? Mm-hmm. And it just got me thinking. I think one of the themes though is like balance is something to make sure that the PCs don't get too powerful, mm. and it applies to absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that seems about right. That seems about right. Uh, Yeah, so uh, most interestingly uh, here, something that is a big distinction from current Druids in 5th edition to 2nd edition is the ability to shape change you don't get until you reach 7th level. Uh, Whereas 5th edition, that's something you get pretty much right away. You know, you get your shape shape change at 2nd level when you get your Druid Circle. Um, and yeah, here you don't get it until seventh level. Um, there seem to be a lot of restrictions around. There do, but they are, um, 
their definition is baffling. Yeah. Quote. Go ahead. Quote. The size can vary from that of a bullfrog or small bird to as large as a black bear. End quote. There's no size categories in this shit, man. Like, you look at the monster manual and it's just like, they're this big. Yeah. (laughs) That's what you're working with. There's no, like, there's no, like, hit dice requirement. There's no, like, yeah, real loosey-goosey. But in theory, it's a bit like the example it gives is like, you know, um, quote again a druid could change into a wren to fly across a river transform into a black bear on the opposite side and attack the orcs gathered there and finally change into a snake to escape into the bushes before more orcs arrive so it is like mm-hmm. the good news is is that like what am i trying to say it's a lot more open-ended in theory than modern wild shape is mm-hmm. i guess yeah and can be used more fluidly i guess yeah um, so then I, I kind of want to skip ahead because there's all of this like ethos stuff, which is just kind of describing sort of the nature of uh, what it means to be a druid and sort of the, um, I don't want to say prereq or the requisites for it, but like yeah. the, the sort of idea behind being a druid and how you have to adhere to those. It's interesting, but we can skim over that. What I want to skip to. upshot. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Pre- yeah, sorry. Just the practical upshot, all of which is that uh, true neutral only, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, moving yeah. on. Um, but from what I really want to get into is this sort of like cap or ceiling that you hit when it comes to leveling. Um, because in second edition, <laughs> at 12th this level, so a druid shit. becomes a an arch druid here. Uh, and there can only be X amount of that level of druids in the entire world. Um, so once you hit that cap, you have to go and like take the rank of a druid at that level and kind of swap their spots, usually by killing them or maybe just defeating them in battle and letting them live. Yeah. But then they'll come back and try and beat you, right? And no guarantee that they're going to let you live. So the idea is mm-hmm. you're kind of killing your way to the top to become the highest level druid from here and every time that you want to level up past a certain threshold you have to go and you know confront the druids or a druid that's higher level than you and take their place essentially um yep and this is something that yeah typically in in combat yes uh and this does show up in first edition as well but the druid level is capped at 14 as i mentioned earlier so it's like 10 through 14 rather than 12 through 20 um so there's a little bit more nuance in in all of this here in the abilities that you get as you level up um but it does have that sort of sticking point of you have to go and beat a druid high of higher level than you in combat to become that highest level of druid even if you have the experience points that you would need to level to that point um yep and on the assumption that uh, the combat is not lethal, if you lose, you go back to the very start of the previous level. Right, you lose all points. of your experience points up to yeah, where you were at at the at, at like twelfth level or whatever. So yeah, 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 and it kind of keeps going on like that mm-hmm. until you, I guess, 
So 15th level is the last time you have to do that, I think. Mm-hmm. Because technically, once you hit 15th level, you you're are the, the only... Grand Druid. Yeah, you're just you the, are the, Grand Druid. the yeah. highest level Druid. Yeah, I guess that is true. And then you get some stuff leveling up from there that's all wild. <laughs> uh, you gain yeah. some powers and you stop getting spells and, and you get other poison shit. Yeah. shit and... Sorry. 17th, I, no, can... I talked over you there. No, you're, you're good. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Weird, wild stuff. <laughs> yes, you get the ability yeah. to go into different planes of existence and survive there normally, like all the way up to twentieth level. When you basically, you know, you're able to go into all of the different elemental planes and you can like hibernate throughout a whole season and all kinds of wild shit that you get from fifteenth uh, level on in Druid. Um, it's yep. Absolutely bonkers. And nothing else, no other classes that I know have, except, I guess, Wizard when it comes to getting all the spells that you get. Like, no one else really has that high of an escalation of power at the end of their leveling from, like, everything else, essentially. It's Yeah. It's crazy. It's true. And even with Wizards, worth keeping in mind, I didn't mention this at the time, but you weren't getting any of the spells for free, man. Right. There's yeah, no, yeah, yeah. like... There's no like, oh, you get to add two new spells to your spell book when you level up. There's none of that. Yep. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. Anyway. All right. Shall we? Yeah, moving take... on to rogues. Rogues. First, I want to read this uh, sentence because it's just so judgy. <laughs> <laughs> yep, go for it. All right, this is the first thing that it says about rogues, period. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Quote, rogues are people who feel that the world and everyone in it somehow owes them a living. <laughs> End quote. Like, come on. <laughs> That's just uh, mean. So rogues That's... are the shittiest people that you'll ever meet, essentially. Yeah, like... <laughs> you just, yeah. Yeah, basically. Uh... Yeah. Rogues are fucking Karens in line at the fucking Chick-fil-A. Just, <laughs> yes. like, ruining the, Christmas. The most entitled class. Yeah. jeez. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. So, moving on so from hit, that. Yeah. Uh, your hit dice is a D6. Uh, they have the thieves and bards are on the same experience table. It's the fastest experience table, really, of any of them. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in terms of leveling up so that's neat and uh yeah uh that's cool all right and yeah. let's look at the thieves the yes. thieves all right thieving is weird um yes. i'm gonna spend most of my time talking about how thieving is weird and we'll get there <laughs> uh decks of nine required prime requisite is decks all races allowed mm-hmm. cool mm-hmm. all right so here's how here's how this stuff works and here's how the thieving skills work because this is a all right script so there are eight discrete thieving skills they are as follows pickpockets open locks find slash remove traps move silently hide in shadows detect noise climb walls read languages you have a score in all eight of these um uh, and that's expressed as a percentage. Yep. So you're rolling your D100s and you want to get um, equal or to or less than what your score is. Um, and uh, you start, uh, there's a table for the base scores. 
These are modified um, by race. There's a table that modifies these base scores a bunch of different ways. I'm not going to get into this. Yeah, basically these... all of the different races have different uh, bonuses or uh, negatives to different percentages of the different skills that you get. Um, and then the next table immediately after that is kind of the same thing, but based on your dexterity score rather than your race. So you can also get bonuses or negative penalties um, to these base scores based on, you know, being a certain race or having a dex at a certain point as well. Um, yeah. And that all um, modifies what your base score is. And again, you're trying to roll a percentile die underneath that total amount after adding all three of these charts together to you know figure out if you're successfully doing this thing mm -hmm. and, then, uh, <laughs> and it's yeah it's bonkers yeah <laughs> yep also at first level you get 60 points to assign to the skills as you see fit yep. but you can't add more than 30 into any particular skill right and then each time you level up you get additional points i forget how many i think it's do, do, do. Yep, let me Looking scroll things up as well. Uh, do, do. Each time the thief rises a level, uh, the player receives another 30 points to di uh, distribute. No more than 15 points per level can be assigned to a single skill. Um, and no skill can be raised above 95%. So no matter Ooh. how good you are, you're always going to have a chance to fail. Uh, which I guess is yep. kind of true for yep. life <laughs> yeah that's true i uh i uh i like fumble silverware when i'm taking it out of the dishwasher so like <laughs> i yeah you know trying to tie up your shoes and you just kind of lose the shoelaces in your hands sometimes you know oh, oh there's God. always a chance don't, that you're gonna yeah don't even get me started on shoe tying man like <laughs> <laughs> jesus that requires some master dexterity man yeah, for sure. That's a feat in 5th edition. It really is. Anyway, so that's the basics of skills. Worth pointing out that uh, if you wear any armor of any sort, including leather and studded leather armor, you get penalties. Mm. Yep. yep. And yep. if you if you're wearing anything heavy in that, you just can't use it. So yep. suck it. Yeah, yeah and it, it does give a very in-depth description of how each individual skill works i think we've already spent enough time um digging through classes that we don't need to highlight every single one um nope. but a couple of things to point out uh that you do also get is the backstab um you get a plus four modifier for a rear attack and the great the gate the targets uh shield and dexterity bonuses so you know any bonuses that a shield or a good dex would give that target to its AC, you get to take that away, and you get plus four on your attack if you're stabbing from behind. Um, yep. ro rogues do it from behind. That's yes. all I'm saying. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. Also, a couple things I, I want to point out again, real quick. Um, just uh, if you're hiding in shadows, mm -hmm. um, you the DM makes this roll because it specifies that you always believe that you are hidden successfully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, fine. All right, fine, whatever. <laughs> yeah. The, that, that is whatever. Um, also, in general, I kind of... I will make this quick, I swear. 
but this is i think this whole skills this is just a weird kind of graft on the way i look at it mm-hmm. if you think to original D, original D doesn't have thieves why because it's old school you're supposed to everybody's supposed to be asking questions about their environment and paying attention to what's going on and if you find a trap you have to actually figure out how it works and how to disarm it right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like that's how it's supposed to work and then this is just like well you get to roll a die to see if you can do it also worth noting if you fail any of the like open locks or traps things you have to level up before you can try again yeah try again on that particular lock that's fuck brutal (laughs) so awful yeah yeah (laughs) yeah brutal is the right word for sure yeah and so i think it's just flipping through the first edition book now sorry yeah it's just weird how it was kind of it feels grafted on i guess to a like old mode of playing the game that mostly assumed that you wouldn't need any of this stuff yeah i mean so first first edition looking at the the class you do have uh these skills as well all of the same ones it's the the chart looks a little bit different between them um in that you, right the yeah you just kind of get a base and the base goes up for each sorry traffic yeah no it's cool well i was saying like original like white box oh, oh okay gotcha, gotcha gotcha white box doesn't yeah. have thieves yeah gotcha. um and then they added them later yeah i um, was looking at first edition sorry anyway uh yeah all good it, it does very much feel like um this thing that's kind of grafted on because no yeah i mean none of the other classes really have descriptions for like skills and things that you get in this nature um so when i was going through and trying to you know get a good grasp on uh second edition here like and i got to this chart about skills like i I hit a fucking wall because i was just like i don't this doesn't make sense with the rest of the book like what (laughs) what is this (laughs) Uh, fair so yeah i had to kind of like hit the brakes and like stop and read through all of this skill stuff a couple of times before it kind of like finally sank in and how it works um so yeah Yep. it's it's very different from the rest of the class abilities for sure and it definitely feels kind of grafted on so yeah yeah um yeah it's weird and like everybody can detect noise what is this <laughs> why is this only thieves can listening. detect noise uh all right anyway also you can read scrolls at 10th level moving on let's right. talk about <laughs> yes let let's move on Maybe it'll backfire. Who knows? Yeah. Uh. Bards. Bards. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Bards are weird. Um, they aren't as woeful as they are in third edition, but uh, that's cool. Um, Dex 12, Intelligence 13, Charisma 15. Those are your requirements. Uh, requisites mm-hmm. are only Dex and Charisma, and you can be a human or half-elf. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can, uh, wear armor up to including and including chainmail. Um, but you can't use shields, which why, who knows? Yep. Let's move on. <clears throat> and, uh, you learn you at second level, you start w- learning limited wizard spells. Um, mm-hmm. I guess check with your DM again. <laughs> your DM will have yep. some idea of how to 
do it. Uh, although, yeah, and you you are using a spell book too. Again, there's mm-hmm. no there's no sort of like spells known system anywhere in this book certainly mm-hmm. and i think if they did ever add it in it was a little weird they haven't in eh, i don't want to get into the vagaries of Baldur's gate right this second we'll be here all day anyway um yeah you get some spells you get some of the thief abilities but just climb walls detect noise pickpockets and read languages mm-hmm. and uh you uh can do some other kind of neat stuff Basically, yeah. Um, yeah, you can give uh, bonuses to, uh, like a morale bonus, essentially, to attack rolls and saving throws, um, which is a cool bard thing. Um, you can, you get counter charm right away, where you just, like, start singing your song and uh, gives a buff to uh, saving throws versus, like, being charmed, essentially. Um yeah. What yeah. else? Let's see. Um, and uh, yeah, you can co- you can um, at a certain point you can identify magic items, uh, yep. but only in like vague terms. Yep. Like the idea is that you won't be like, oh, this is a plus, this is a plus four Vorpal sword. You'll just be like, this is a power of, this is a sword of great danger and tremendous power mm-hmm. that could uh do tremendous damage if it falls into evil hands or whatever stuff like that yep so you can identify but i mean as we saw in the spell uh episode that's kind of how identify works in this edition anyways so right whatever. right all right um so those are all the classes ha- <laughs> yeah those are all the classes do you have enough whiskey in front of you to talk about multi-classing and dual classing jesus christ no i don't have enough whiskey here no one does <laughs> <laughs> there's not enough in the world to make this shit make sense not for all the <laughs> bourbon in kentucky <laughs> could, could any of this be made to make sense uh, all right uh oof. We were going to talk about proficiencies too, weren't we? Yeah, good thing those are optional. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so, um, I'm going to try my very absolute best to talk about this yeah, as quickly g- as Good luck. <laughs> I'll try and help. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate you. <laughs> all right. So, um, so. You have your multi-class uh, possible combinations listed by race. Remembering again that humans can't multi-class. Um, also, circling back to racial restrictions, did you see any shit anywhere in here that told you like the maximum level that certain races could get in certain classes? Uh, I didn't see that shit anywhere. Nope. <laughs> okay. Cool. We'll chuck it out the. We'll chuck it into the waste bin of whatever for this purpose. Yep. Okay. So, so yeah. So you're, <clears throat> if you're multi-classing, you're basically two classes at once. Um, yeah. Uh, the possible um, combinations by race are listed. Um, halflings can only be fighter thieves. Um, and uh, beyond that, uh, let's see. Uh, only thing to really point out here that's worth super worth noting is that 
um, if you're multi-classing into mage, um, you're going to be a mage. You're not going to be able to be any sort of specialist unless you are a gnome, in which case you mm -hmm. may multi-class into an illusionist if you fit all the fucking requirements. Right. Ugh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, um, so you divide your experience points between the two classes and you keep track of each according to when you level up in that class. Um, and then you divide your hit points up super weird. Um, I don't want to... Uh, oh, boy. It says the average of all your hit dice rolls. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Which and then goes into examples and it's complicated and neither of us here are math majors. <laughs> Definitely uh, not. I would I would gladly figure this out with anybody at the time, given all the time in the world to figure this out. But uh, we are, uh, you know, we're not. That's not the situation we're in. So right, like yeah, that's complicated. Um, and then it goes into just kind of some things. Uh useful notes uh for each class um that if you are a multi-class if you're a priest you have to abide by whatever your priest requirements are right um if you're a wizard you still can't wear armor for any reason if you're a thief you really can't wear armor for any reason um yeah um yeah and then we get to dual class <sighs> <laughs> Uh, Jesus, take the wheel. All right. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to put this book down because it can't even help me. <laughs> In uh, terms of trying I, to explain this. I appreciate okay. that the book can't help you explain this thing from the book. Uh, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, sure. right, right on the money that's, there for a second edition. <laughs> that's, that's where we're at with dual class. I will make this very brief. So if you're a human and you want to be more than one class and you have at least a 17 in an ability score that's one of the requirement that's the like prime requisite for something else i think you have to meet all the other requ requirements too mm -hmm. you can choose to dual class here's how dual classing works you get to a certain level and you're like nah fuck this this class sucks you get to your next level up and you're like i'm gonna be this other class from now on so you keep all your hit points, I think, um, but you you lose everything else, all your proficiencies, all your class abilities, they're all gone, and you start over with a new class. Right. If you use any of the stuff from your old class, you lose experience points because you're learning a new way of doing things, <coughs> as the book puts it, which doesn't make a lick of sense. Not, it makes sense in some ways, but not in others. I'm pretty really sure that if you're... I'm pretty sure that if you're a fighter who dual classes into a thief, that there's really not that much different about firing a fucking short bow, but who am I? <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> I'm not an expert. And then once you get to your the level of your original class... Hang on, I did need the book for this. Yeah, so basically once you get... Like, once you bring your secondary class up to the level of where your first class was that you left off, then you get everything back that you lost from that first class, but you still can only advance in the second class is what it looks like. 
is that yep, you can't, you can't ever it, go yeah. back to the first first class and gain levels in that. You're done with that class entirely. Never, not never. Nor can you say triple class, so you can't go like fighter, right. thief, and then you're done being a thief and you want to be a fighter again. You can't do right. that shit either. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's dual classing in a nutshell. I didn't realize it was this complicated because, <laughs> you know, uh, playing Baldur's Gate, if you dual class, and which, you know, some people I've seen on the Baldur's Gate subreddit, they swear by it, whatever. I've never been able to bring myself to bother with it mm-hmm. but like um yeah you just don't have those features anymore there's none of this wishy-washy oh you could try and do it but you lose experience there's none of that they just simplify mm-hmm. it's like nope all this stuff's going away until it comes back <laughs> christ and that's dual classing in a nutshell yep as best as i could while trying to get done explaining it as quickly as possible yeah it's uh it's a headache for sure. I, I think I messaged you that exact thing. I was like, man, I'm trying to wrap my brain around all of this multi-classing and dual classing differences and like literally getting a headache trying to comprehend all of this stuff in the book. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a whirlwind. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah. Okay. But that's all the classes. Hooray! Yay! We did it! Yay. Another hour and a half to get through one chapter. <laughs> Another hour and a half to get through one and only one chapter. Yeah, I think we learned some things Jeez. today. We certainly right. did, and it also exemplified just how dense and complex uh, second edition can be. So, yeah. It's true. They tried to streamline, and they didn't entirely fail, I suppose, on a curve. But, yeah, to the modern player, you're going to be like, what the hell is any of this? And if, uh, yeah, um, yeah. I would totally play this game, though, provided I was with a DM who knew what they were doing. Yeah, for sure. I to think, an extent. I think if I had a DM who was well-versed in second edition, I would be fully on board. But I'm not going to go to our Sunday group and be like, hey, y'all, let's play some second edition this week. It'll be I might fun. Do <laughs> <laughs> I might do it. Uh, no, I would not. Yeah. Yeah. No. More power to you if you j- choose to do that, but not not for me. I, I am not at a point of readiness yeah. with it. I would need to actually play it for a while, I think, mm-hmm. certainly. Mm-hmm. And, like, actually not just fucking Baldur's Gate. Um, but, yeah. Um, do you want to spare a moment to talk about Thacko and saving throws, or uh, are we done? Yeah, if we can, yeah, if we can take just a couple minutes to highlight Thacko, uh, I say highlight tentatively hesitantly i think is a better way of saying that but uh yeah sure we can kind of dive into it what fucking chapter is that in let me uh move ahead it's in combat so yeah we've been talking about classes this whole time and it nothing in the class chapter tells you anything about (laughs) how to hit things yep (laughs) or how good you are at hitting ahead to chapter nine to talk about these things yeah Table 53 in the 89 pressing. I don't know if that helps you. Uh, it might not. Probably. I will uh, kind of skim ahead in the chapter until I grab it or get to it. Okay. While Mike's doing that, I'll go through the nitty gritty. Yeah. So in first it. edition, uh, they were 
there was no just flat to hit um score. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were just uh reams and reams of attack matrices. Yes, and I actually just... looked this up as well because I was curious how it worked. And God, is that also another headache? Uh, yeah, uh, I think it's like old war gaming crust that survived long enough to like yeah. There's a lot of that. Yeah. So I'm go. I say this to point out that Thaco is the improved system. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, and I say this with a bit of admiration, but also what? So, in 2nd edition, lower armor class is good. If you are wearing no armor whatsoever and have no dex bonuses, your armor class is 10. Um, and it can go down to negative whatever the hell you want, basically, in mm-hmm. theory. THACO is an acronym. It stands for to hit armor class zero. It is the die roll that you need in order to hit a monster with an AC of zero. So everybody starts out at 20. You need to roll a natural 20 to hit somebody uh, with uh, an AC of zero. Right. As you get, as you level up, your Thacko lowers. So say you're a, say you're a seventh level rogue. When you're a seventh level rogue, your Thacko is 17. So to hit an AC of zero, you need to roll a 17. Right. But Rob, you're thinking, surely not every monster has an AC of zero. Surely <laughs> um, they have a variety of armor classes as well. How do you calculate the to hit number in those situations? Well, I'm glad you asked because I am about to have blood shoot out of my nose. And I think that <laughs> catharsis is really going to help out me get through the rest of my day after that happens because we're right there. <laughs> All right. So, let's say you're attacking, I don't know, let's say it's a hobgoblin, and their armor class is six. I don't know if it's six, so yeah. shut up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, to hit that, you sub, you, oh, oh God, I even forgot how this works. So, yeah, uh, you it, subtract the, yeah, you subtract the target's armor class from the Thacko. Right, right. So if if your Thacko is, say, 19 and the Hobgoblin has an AC of 6, you hit the Hobgoblin on a 13, 13 or better, yeah. Better. It makes total sense, assuming you're a crazy person. <laughs> is the way I think of it. <laughs> If you if you really enjoy if you ha, if you're like me and you sort of have the dad brains and you like it when things are a little more difficult than they need to be, <laughs> that goes difficult. for you. A little bit yeah. more. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. Yeah. Although it's worth pointing out, and I do want to say this in all seriousness. I don't like Thacko much in general. I'm glad I don't have to use it when I run fifth edition, but I do think that it taught me when I'm DMing to think mm-hmm. of monster attacks in terms of two hit rolls. Yep. If I have my if I have my note cards all set up with all the players' ACs and I have my monster manual and I have this attack bonus, I can just like look at that and then look at those ACs and just do the math real quick so that once by the time I'm rolling, all I'm doing is looking at the die and I know if it's a miss or a hit. Right, right. That's so, yeah, actually been very useful. It, it does kind of teach you a way of going, okay, well, but the kobolds have a plus three to their slings, and the uh, fighter has an AC of 18. 
Uh, so oh, yeah. I need to roll like a 15, 15? or better yep. and mm-hmm. hit them. Yeah. So I can just yeah. make the rolls and eyeball that die and know if I hit or not. I don't have to waste time uh, doing, you know, additional math every single time I, I roll the die. Um, yeah. So having that idea about it, I guess like that kind of makes sense. Um, but yeah. Still, still, yeah. <laughs> still, Thacko is insane. <laughs> yeah, but wait, there's more. First off, um, just to point out, uh, uh, th- your Thacko advances by your class group. Uh, mm-hmm. It goes down. Mm-hmm. It improves by one every level if you're a warrior. Two every three levels if you're a priest. One every two levels if you're a rogue, and one every three levels if you're a wizard. One last thing, just to like rip everybody's brain out through their nose before we're done here (laughs) keep in mind situational modifiers to your hit positive is good (laughs) so yeah your the stat goes down that's good but if you have a plus one sword that's good because you're adding that plus one to your dice roll right not right your thacko so that's a bit more just, you know, taking your mind and, you know, unscrewing it slightly <laughs> and more yes. just shit to deal with. All right. <clears throat> Lastly, the, but not leastly, a quick shout out to saving throws here real quick. Let me just look up the saving throw tables. Mike, stall for time. Uh, 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 Thacko is a weird thing. It doesn't make, make uh, sense. Uh, uh, um, no, but I uh, I do appreciate that, as you said as well, Rob, is kind of teaching you how to just sort of eyeball the die and know uh, what you need to roll in order to hit, you know, your your players there. That That is a handy tool to kind of take from this. Um, but it's all, again, like with many of the things in second edition, it's all just sort of put together in this really strange, convoluted, sort of backwards thinking type of way uh, that, you know, as a system kind of makes sense and is cohesive, but also at the same time has all of these gaps that aren't really explained or fleshed out well enough, uh, which is just kind of endemic of second edition as a whole. Yeah, for sure. All right. Last, uh, last real quick saving throws. I'll make this quick. There are five categories of saving throw. It's on a table. Uh, basically you look at your class and you, your level, and then you look at the category of save and you're going to see a number and that's the number you need to beat on a 20 sider to, to meet or exceed on a 20 sider to, um, make your save. And you may have, you may have bonuses, but at least this time, like you're adding a positive to the roll. So that's, and like, yeah, you want to roll higher. Definitely. Like. It's a bit easier. But uh, the thing is, so here are the five categories of saving throw. Whatever. Paralyzation, poison, or death magic. That's one. Rod, staff, or wand. That's two. Petrification or polymorph. Then fourth is breath weapon. And then fifth is spell. So, here's the thing. First off, there are... um, exceptions so like polymorph is like has a start says excluding polymorph wand attacks because those go under wands Mm -hmm. okay uh breath weapons have two stars because those exclude those that cause petrification or polymorph because those are petrification or polymorph saves 
And then, yeah. Um, the main thing to point out here is that, like, this is all well and good and it seems simple, but the real problem is that these are all very narrowly construed categories. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of shit that you can think of right now that, like, does not fall directly under one of these five categories and what saving throw is appropriate? (laughs) Who knows? Mike, here's a question for you. What do you think a Mind Flayer's Mind Blast is? Oh, shit. What do you think the save is? Uh, petrification? Nope. Good guess. It's a, it's a, it's a Rod Staffer wand save. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> Just, huh. uh, if, I mean, I would assume team... either petrification or, uh, well, I guess it doesn't actually petrify. Breath Just weapon, sort of, I guess. Yeah, it's breath really weapon blood. or maybe even spell. I know it's psionic, but like, meh. But like Rod Staffer wand? Like, why? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> because that's what it is. Yeah. All right, so that saves. All right. Whew. Yikes. So that's, yeah, that was a fun exploration. Yeah. We, We're totally not flustered at all. Yeah. Why do you ask? <laughs> oh, yeah, and here we are at an hour 40, which uh, is our longest episode to date. Uh, it might be USA. trim with some USA. editing there, but, like, still, yikes. Yikes! Yeah, I mean, that was a journey, though. Yeah, like, absolutely. We, we would the Grateful Dead edit their live albums? <laughs> like, come on! <laughs> I hate I the Grateful Dead. Actually, like, oh. I can't stand them. Ah, mm. uh, you. Yeah, that's fine. I I'm get not it. like a deadhead, like, but I I enjoy them anyway. Yeah, that, that's you know, fair. You have I just to be kind of into the jam band sort of thing, though. I think. That's true, and I'm kind of not. I f- I feel like like it's fine and good, and it, it's not that I hate them. Like there's st- they do have stuff that like I like. I just sort of can't like do it if that yeah. makes sense. Fish yep, is yep. the same way, where it's like they have some good songs, and they're obviously very good musicians, and mm-hmm. it can be fun to listen to them play and stuff. But like in terms of like really getting into the thing, I need a bit more structure, I guess. Yeah, for anyway. sure. And yet here we are with second edition. Here we are with second edition. <laughs> truly, <coughs> truly the Rush's uh, 1978 EP Hemispheres, LP, excuse me, of uh, games or something. I couldn't tie that one together because my brain is mush. You were so close. You were so close. No, I, I failed I, my I saving throw going, against. But... I failed my saving throw against wands to overcome the mind blast. <laughs> That's what just happened. Yes. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez, indeed. All right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, hopefully our listeners have enjoyed this uh, three-hour journey that we've been on as we've gone yeah. through all of we, se- uh, not even all of second edition. This is just the player's handbook. We went through three chapters and then touched oh, yeah. on. We j- uh, that was three hours of like, scratching. Oh, <laughs> that was three hours, and we scratched the surface of the player's handbook. <laughs> anyway, Welcome we... um second edition. Yeah, with any luck, maybe someday we'll circle back to our journey through second edition, but we will probably move on to other things in our next episode. Yeah, lest our we brains... should give ourselves a little bit of a brain break. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
both Mike and I, in our preparations for this episode, were like, we kind of, we both agreed that we needed a bit of a break. As yeah. much as, like, I had grand ambitions to go on a 20-episode series through the core books or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. all the player options. I don't actually have those. I hear Mike getting nervous on the other end, and I just want to allay his fears for a moment. I didn't actually have it that, like, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have it that, like, determined or anything. But, uh, uh, yeah, this was our introduction to second edition. It yeah, almost, ho- yeah. Hopefully, uh, you listeners have enjoyed it or at least learned something from it. Uh, if you are interested in hearing more about second edition from us, let us know. Um, when it comes to getting in touch with us, you can reach us on Twitter at 19 hits the dragon. Um, or you can send us an email, uh, at 19 hits the dragon at gmail.com. Um, you can also leave uh, comments and ratings and reviews on the episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, any sort of feedback to us lets us know how we're doing and if you're enjoying what we're putting out there. And if you want to hear more on any certain topic, that's those are some of the ways that you can uh, can let us know. And uh, we'll we'll get around to that. Um, yep. Yeah. Like, comment, and subscribe, and tell your friends. Indeed. Uh, also, special quick shout-outs to Hannah Miller, my lovely fiance, for editing and mixing, mixing these episodes. That's how that uh, happens. Uh, and to uh, Paul Backey for our uh, theme song, the intro and outro here. They, uh, it, it kicks ass, and uh, we it think does. it's a great thing. We do. And we thank Hannah as well. Uh, she does a great job. Indeed. Absolutely. And to all of you, our listeners as well, thank you very much. uh, And we'll see you next time on 19 Hits the Dragon. Peace. Bye-bye.